Hello, friends. How are you? Welcome back to the episode of Be Here for a While. Today's episode of Be Here for a While is brought to you by Stamps.com, Raycon, and Pros. Again, all things that are going to come in so much handy right now during the lockdown. How are you guys doing? How are you? Please let me know. I just want to communicate, you know? I really hope that you're all staying safe and healthy and happy and loved. And I know it's such a scary time. And I just want you to know that I'm thinking of all of you and sending you every ounce of love that I can. And um, that I'm also just super appreciative of you. Um, considering I can't tour during this time, this is my only and main job. Uh, and I can't tell you enough how grateful I am for your listens and support and uh, positive reviews and friendship that I feel like I have with you. Um, messaging with you on Instagram and just checking in. And yeah, so I just want to say thank you endlessly. And uh, I guess um, if you have a free moment, uh, I would so appreciate if you could rate my podcast five stars and leave a positive review. Uh, it would mean the world to me. Um, okay, I am really excited about this podcast. Uh, admittedly, very nervous to record it. So secrets involve a level of shame and uh, a need to protect something or someone or yourself. But they rarely, if ever, go unknown. And the truth almost always comes out. And while it might be scary knowing the truth... That truth, no matter how painful it is, is your true jumping off point for healing, self-discovery, and personal power. And my guest today is Danny Shapiro. Uh, she's an author who's written uh, 10 books, and which is insanely amazing, and is also the host of an incredibly popular podcast called Family Secrets. Uh, on each episode of Family Secrets, Danny and her guests explore astonishing family secrets and uncover the extraordinary lessons that truth can teach us. The show strikes a chord with a wide audience because we all have family secrets, and while discovering them can initially be terrifying or traumatic, uh, it also has the power to liberate, heal, and uplift us. And Danny's own story involves a family secret that she discovered in her 50s, and it was finding out that everything she believed about herself was a lie. So in the spring of 2016, Danny took a DNA test on a whim, you know, like we all like a 23andMe ancestry, whatever. And the results turned her life upside down. The man who raised her was not her biological father. And the story she had been told about who she was and where she came from simply hadn't been true. Her memoir and uh, about the experience Inheritance is a book about secrets that touch upon the themes of identity and family history and the science and technology that have outpaced not only medical ethics, but also the capacities of the human heart to contend with the consequences of what we discover. Uh, so I was lucky enough to have been contacted by Danny's PR uh, to have Danny as a guest on my podcast. And uh, then I just started binge listening to her podcast. And I don't think I've ever laughed, cried, and felt the deep feelings that I do when I listen to Family Secrets, more so than any other podcast. Um, and so, like I said, I was really excited, but admittedly very nervous to interview her because I was intimidated by how beautifully and eloquently she writes and speaks. And But I was also super eager to know more about her and her guests and the process of speaking to people about the most painful and triumphant times in their lives. So if I sound nervous, that's why. Uh, or it could just be this pandemic that is uh, kind of probably getting to all of us, but... Anyways, uh, I love you guys. And without further ado, Danny Shapiro. So uh, 
so I was showing my boyfriend um, many episodes of your podcast because I love it. Um, and one of his questions was, was there a moment that Danny felt a void where maybe she she felt like a nagging of like, uh, maybe there's something missing? And I said, no, I don't think so, because she didn't know. She didn't she didn't know until she was an adult that this oh, was yeah. what it was. And so I guess I want to ask you that but before answering it for you. Did you ever feel like maybe something was off? Yeah, I'm so glad you're asking me that because, you know, I always have to be careful not to, you know, retrospect being 2020, hindsight 2020 and all of that. Mm -hmm. um, I don't want to supply like a narrative that wasn't there. But th the truth is, and I've thought about this so much, I grew up really feeling like there was something that I couldn't put my really? finger on. There was something that didn't add up about me. I, there was like, there, there was always a sense that there were secrets in my home. Um, you know, when I became a writer or even before I was professionally a writer and I would just write stories, you know, as a, as a kid and then in high school and college, mm -hmm. they always kind of centered around secrets of some sort and the corrosive power of secrets. And there was, I felt like an outsider. And in my own family, I felt like an outsider. And there was no reason for me to feel that way. Like no reason that so I could you put couldn't put your on. finger on it. You just, yeah. Wow. Exactly. At the same time. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And, you know, and I, and I think one of the things that happens with kids is that when there's something like that, where we have this feeling that there's something that's not right but it should be right and we don't understand why it isn't we tend to blame ourselves and so mm -hmm. i think it was truly the story of my life really formative that i thought that there was something wrong with me that i felt that way i didn't mm -hmm. think oh there must be something wrong i've got to go figure it out and put on my detective cap it was really like something's wrong with me that i that i feel like an outsider yeah that makes a lot of sense. So you you felt that your entire life. And when did you come across starting this podcast? What Was it the secret that you found out? Or was it beforehand that you were like, I feel a kinship with family secrets and people that are... Mm. Yeah, I mean, to back up, you know, my most recent book, Inheritance, came out last year and it's my 10th book all of my other wow books, that's yeah I may, mean, really... may we just take an accomplishment <laughs> pause that's amazing <laughs> thank you congratulations 10 thank books you. wow yeah, that's really cool I, I published my first book when I was 27 and I just um it's just what I do it's what I've always done and all of them really did center in some way or another around family secrets like they, it was as a novelist, that was my theme. I would write And that about was before you knew way your before, own secret. Way before, way before. See, there was a pulling to that, do you think? Totally there was. But I couldn't have told you why. I just was aware that I would be drawn to these stories in which somebody was either keeping a secret or there was a secret kept from someone in a family. And the corrosive power of that, like the way that, 
you know, secrets can kind of fester, even if we don't know anything about them, they can form and shape our lives. And so I was always writing about that. And then Mm -hmm. in the winter of 2016, I completely by accident stumbled upon this huge family secret of my own. And it was that it was because I just recreationally took a DNA test. Just my husband was doing it. And so he said, do you want to do it too? And I just did just randomly, no suspicion or thought about anything. And you were just being re- fun with it. Like anyone would like, Oh, yeah, am I really yeah. from Italy or am I yeah, not? Good times. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And, <laughs> and you know, it's the most popular holiday gift in America. You know, the, Absolutely. And the, and the companies bring their prices way down on these kits right before the holidays. And uh-huh. that's literally what happened. My husband got an email like from ancestry.com saying that kits were, I don't know, 79 bucks or whatever. Yeah. And he's like, I- I'm going to do it. Do you want to do it too? So when, when my results came back, uh, they revealed to me um, in pretty short order that my dad had, my beloved dad, um, who had died when I was 23 in a car accident. So he'd been gone mm-hmm. a long time. He was mm-hmm. not my biological father. Mm-hmm. And I had never suspected that. I had not known that. I had not consciously ever thought that. But boy, oh boy, did everything start to, I mean, it's a stunning thing to discover as an adult, something Mm -hmm. as fundamental as like my father, who I thought was my biological father, wasn't. Um, Mm -hmm. And so it was shocking, but it was also like, oh, suddenly, like, it was like I put on 3D glasses and a whole other dimension was revealed to me. And all of the ways that people all my life had said to me, oh, you don't look like anybody else in your family. Or like in my case, I was raised mm-hmm. um, in a Jewish household and I am very blonde and I have blue You're eyes. super blonde. Oh, I've looked you up enough. You're super right? blonde. <laughs> and I just don't, I don't look what, you know, is stereotypically um, Jewish or Semitic. I just mm-hmm. don't because my biological father is from Western Europe. I mean, as it turns mm-hmm. out. So, I mean, just long story short, I was able to very quickly... Um, and kind of amazingly and miraculously figure things out um, within three days of discovering that my dad hadn't been my biological father. I was looking at a YouTube video of a man who was. Um, yeah. I, I just zeroed in on him and um, my parents he had the had same trouble. mannerisms and same stuff. mannerisms. I, exactly. Yeah. I, I, so, I, I listened to that podcast where you said that. The, yeah. Oh, the, yeah. So, so then, so what happened, I mean, the podcast, so I, because I'm a writer, what I do whenever I'm trying to understand or make sense of something that I don't understand, I, I write it out. I, I, I try to, um, I sort of follow the line of words on the page to get myself somewhere to understand Mm -hmm. what it is that I think. And so I started to write and, um, and I, I was researching and trying to understand and and reporting and trying to figure out what had happened and how this had come to be. And that led me to write my book, Inheritance. And then mm-hmm. when, when I finished Inheritance, before it came out, people who started to hear a little bit about my story or who had read early copies of the book started telling me their stories. They started mm-hmm. telling me their secrets. And the genesis of Family Secrets, the podcast, is that I was on the phone one day with a really dear friend of mine who is this 
um, elderly Buddhist teacher named Sylvia Borstein who lives. I listen to that podcast too. She's oh, lovely. I it's one of my I, I she's one of my favorite people. And if you listen to that podcast, you she's know what lovely. a great like what a great voice she has and what a great storyteller she is. What and was so was, crazy about that podcast? Sorry to interrupt you. Was she? I mean, and you say it in the podcast. She's the one that's supposed to be so introspective. Like you're not supposed to bury stuff if you're her. Right, right. I am stepping up my online clothes and purse and shoes selling game. And that is because stamps.com has made it so easy for me to ship what I'm selling. So for all our sakes, we need to avoid crowds right now, obviously, any way we can. But what if you need to go to the post office? What if you need postage to send out letters and packages? Well, don't worry. Stamps.com is here to help. I mean, they are really really stepping it up right now and it is so what we need. So stamps.com brings all the services of the U.S. Postal Service right to your computer in the safety and comfort of your home, office, or anywhere else you're hunkering down right now. Whether you're a small business sending invoices, an online seller shipping out products, or you're just working from home and need to mail stuff, stamps.com can handle it all with ease. Simply use your computer to print official U.S. postage 24-7 for any letter, any package, any class of mail, anywhere you want to send. And once your mail is ready, just leave it at your mail carrier, leave it for your mail carrier, schedule a free package pickup or drop it in a mailbox. No human contact required. It's that simple. And like I said, with stamps.com, you get great discounts too. Five cents off every first class stamp and up to 40% off USPS shipping rates. And now in addition to offering discounted US Postal Service rates, stamps.com also offers UPS services with discount rates up to 62%. That's amazing. Plus, with Stamps.com, you won't even have to pay UPS residential surcharges. Stamps.com is a no-brainer, especially now, saving you time and money and keeping you safe in these crazy times. And right now, my listeners get a special offer that includes a four-week trial plus free postage and a digital scale without any long-term commitment. Just go to stamps.com and click on the microphone at the top of the homepage and type in be here. That's stamps.com. Enter be here. Stay safe, my friends. I mean, that was, that was an amazing part of the story was the way, you know, the, the tagline for family secrets is the secrets that are kept from us, the secrets we keep from others and the secrets we keep from ourselves. Mm -hmm. And I always feel like the most compelling um, and interesting stories are the ones that kind of involve all three in a certain way, but especially mm-hmm. the, the secrets we keep from ourselves. And Sylvia proceeded to tell me the story on the phone. She had just read the manuscript of, of Inheritance, and it just prompted her to tell me this whole story came tumbling out. And she's this amazing storyteller. And I was on the other end of the phone. Wow. And I was, and I had the thought, I wish I was recording this. Like I wish mm-hmm. people could hear this. And I had never once, Rachel, had had the thought, oh, I want to create a podcast. That had never mm-hmm. flitted through my mind. And suddenly it was like, oh, I mean, I listen to podcasts and I, I live in the country and I drive a lot and mm-hmm. I love listening to podcasts. I love listening to stories. And, but it never had occurred to me to create one. And then I thought, oh, that would be amazing. I wonder if there's a podcast in which not just people share their family secrets, not in a kind of confessional way, but more in a 
what do we learn from them and what what is it to get on the mm-hmm. other side of a discovery and how do secrets shape our lives and how do we come to understand them and mm-hmm. that's how that's how it started it was the most organic thing and then by Which the is time how most great things happen I think it's so totally true I, I mean I say that all the time like just about everything good in my life has been a happy accident it's mm-hmm. been like just being awake and aware in the moment to oh I'm having this thought and I'm not just going to dismiss it this is really interesting maybe I can mm-hmm. make something of this and then when it's right it's not that it's not a lot of hard work it's as you well know it's it's a lot of work to put together, you know, Certainly. Anything, anything good, but it feels not effortless, but it feels like you're in a flow. It feels fluid, like, oh, this is right. The rightness mm-hmm. of this is clear. And that's, that's how this started. That's what happened. Yeah. I love that. Yeah. I, I think I feel the same way. Like, certainly it's a lot of work, but it, it's a way I feel about podcasting and and stand up and things like I can't not do it as much as I get nervous before I do it or as much as it's kind of like it it's so much more important to do it like I love hearing your story and everyone's stories and I can imagine in your experience I want to hear about the stories you hear but I do want to talk about you a little bit more because I'm surprised by the fact and I thought I was very spot on when I told my boyfriend earlier like no she didn't she didn't have a pull towards it like no she didn't know about like she found out way later in life but that I was like I'm not going to ask that question I'm so surprised to hear and interested to hear that you felt like was it a missing piece growing up like how did you because you didn't find out about your biological father until you were in your 40s right 50s until I was 54 years old that so you were just on your merry way but you felt something the entire time can you describe what it was that you felt besides the fact that you said like it was like people's secrets but did it feel like a I don't know was there a what was it it felt like there was a subtle disconnect. There was something, mm. and you know, and I've got to say, I mean, I grew up um, always, you know, when we don't understand something, this I think is true for all of us, like we, we build narratives, we tell stories to make sense of things, right? Mm-hmm. So I, there were things that didn't make sense to me about my parents and about me. My parents were pretty unhappy with each other when I was growing up. My dad was very... That was something you noticed? Yes, absolutely. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. It was hard to miss. Um, but also my, and my dad was kind of... He was, he was sad and withdrawn a lot of the time. There was a lot of tension in mm-hmm. my home growing up. And um, my mother seemed very resentful a lot. But I had all sorts of reasons that I came up with once I was a little bit older of you know why that might be. I was very, and I was, I was an only child. I mean, my, I had a much mm-hmm. older half sister from my dad's early, a, a way earlier marriage, but we were so much, um, so much of a, a difference in age between us. We, we never were raised in the same home and mm-hmm. we had different mothers. So I was really raised as an only child. And so 
I was endlessly curious about my parents and what made them tick. And I was always trying to figure it out. I was always snooping. And I know kids mm-hmm. snoop, but I was like <laughs> dead serious about it. <laughs> I was like, the minute that they would go out of the house, I was like going into You're the like, what's, closet what's going on the bedside table? What's the bedside table for sure? Like what, what is <laughs> happening here? I don't understand what's happening. Something doesn't fit. And, and I've got to tell you, I mean, I've met so many people in the last year and change, especially, I mean, both because of the podcast and when my book came out, I went on this huge tour. I mean, I, I, I really, it's been kind of nonstop until suddenly now nobody's doing mm-hmm. any of that, but <laughs> I, I, <laughs> the tour ground to a halt. Um, but I would encounter people many, many people who had similar stories where they discovered because of taking a DNA test that they were adopted or that one of their parents wasn't their biological parent or something in that realm of like really huge discovery on the level of, of identity. And mm-hmm. every single one of them had that same experience of something that they felt didn't add up that feeling like really they had a feeling in their gut like they knew yes yes. because you know I think with this kind of discovery if you think about it there's you know there's if you grow up in a family that you understand to be your biological family then there's Mm -hmm. a lot that's just kind of there in the background Um, there's Mm -hmm. physical similarity there are there might be gestures there might be kind of Oh, he had he walks like Grandpa Joe, or you know, mm-hmm. or she laughs like you know Aunt you know Ruth, or whatever. There's there's it's not even talked about. It's just in the fabric of a family. You see it with families who are uh, biologically related, genetically related. Mm-hmm. Then you have like people who are adoptees who always have known that they were adopted from the time that they were small, which is of course what you know everyone understands today is you know, exactly what needs to happen is we have a right to know, you know, yeah. what our stories are. So adoptees grow up in a home where there are not biological connections, but they know that there are not biological connections. Mm-hmm. So when they have feelings of maybe difference or maybe longing for... They know people, why. They know why they're having those feelings. Yeah. But when you are raised, we're actually a piece of your identity as fundamental as who a parent is, is withheld or is secret, then you don't have any of that information. So you're like forming these stories around something that's just not even solid. And that is like when I started writing Inheritance and I was reading everything I could get my hands on, you know, anything written in the English language that had any stories around this kind of discovery, the ones that I found all contained that early childhood feeling. And so then the people who end up finding out, it's not that it's not shocking and really kind of almost destabilizing, like I was dizzy from it when I first found out. But there was another part of me that just sat back and was like, oh. Validated almost. Yeah, like it's clear now that it's actually become a truly liberating thing. It's almost like a superpower that I feel like I have. Like I spent my life 
with something really elemental in the darkness for me. And it's mm-hmm. not that I didn't have a good, like I, I built a life. I mean, I, it does explain a lot for me about who I was as a teenager and in my twenties, I was really a mess and I'm not attributing it all to this, but I do think that there was some like acting out that I didn't even know why I was acting. Like I had no idea. It didn't fit with who I really am on a very, I mean, it makes so much sense though. Yeah. You just didn't know why you felt unrest. Yeah. I literally just like kind of didn't know my self in a way, like my like Mm -hmm. capital S self. And, Mm -hmm. and so there were all these disconnections. So to me, I now understand a lot of that, like real sort of like serious rebellion. Um, Mm -hmm. And, but then I, I, I settled down and I like sort of figured out some things and I became a writer, which was a huge part of it for me. And I became a successful writer. And then I started teaching and like really just found my calling in life. And then I met the man. I mean, I made, I, you know, kissed a lot of frogs and then I met, <laughs> you know, I married a couple of them too. And then, <laughs> what? and then I met, ah, this my is my biggest for 23 years. And then we had a child and, and so, Wait, I, you've been, at the have you been proposed made, to many times? Uh, yeah. I mean, I had just like, I, I didn't just like. God damn it, Danny. <laughs> <laughs> I have, I have a big like thorn in my side about this. Like no one's proposed to me once. I'm 34. <laughs> well, I Joking. met my husband when I was 34. So. Um, you what? I met my husband when I was 34. Exactly oh, all right. Well, I have a very nice boyfriend, so maybe it's happening. But I'm just not- I think about like the people that are like, oh, yeah, I turned down the engagement. I'm like, really? You were proposed yeah, to that many times? But, I'm know, like, <laughs> it's probably a good thing. Yeah, know? yeah, no. <laughs> Anyways, I digress. Go ahead. <laughs> but so I, no, I guess all I'm really saying is that I had figured out you know, how to, how to live a pretty contented life. And mm-hmm. yet at the same time, there was something, you know, there was some feeling still of, yeah, it doesn't all make sense. You know, like I would, Interesting. I would, you know, like I certainly spent a bunch of time in therapy and would always be like, literally like, do I make sense? Does this make sense? Like why, you know, like trying to like just make things add up and they simply didn't. It was like having a complicated equation of some sort. And then in the end, yeah, it just like after the equal sign, it did not like compute. Guys, look around you. It's a wireless world and everyone needs a great pair of wireless earbuds. But before you go dropping hundreds of dollars on a pair, you need to check out the wireless earbuds from Raycon. I cannot rave about Raycon enough. I have always had a hard time with earbuds falling out of my ears. They just, for some reason, don't fit. I can like walk with the other ones, but I can't get into a jog. And really, they just always fall out. And I was absolutely thrilled to learn about Raycon. I now use them. I pretty much go jogging like five times a week. They have saved my life where I, I can... I oftentimes will like do my work on it. I'll listen to podcasts or I'll listen to my own podcast back to make edits. And I feel like I can just conveniently and comfortably walk, run, whatever, and listen to them. They won't fall out. The sound is so clear. 
And you already know that Raycon earbuds started about half the price of an, any other premium wireless earbuds on the market, and that they sound just as amazing as other top audio brands you know. And Raycon's latest model, the E25, is their best one yet, yet with six hours of playtime, seamless Bluetooth pairing, and that's another thing, it pairs so easy, because sometimes that's so confusing. Um, they have more bass and a and a more compact design that gives you a nice noise isolating fit. And they really do cancel out. I was on a flight back from Detroit and uh, the person next to me, lovely, she kept t trying to talk to me and she, I don't think she realized that they were canceling out the sound so much that I, I could not hear her. They are amazing. Raycon's wireless earbuds are so comfortable, they're perfect for on the go listening and for taking phone calls. And unlike many other wireless options, Raycon earbuds are both stylish and discreet with no dangling wires or stems. And you've heard me talk about how the company was co-founded by Ray J and other celebrities, and everyone is obsessed with Raycon. So pick up a pair and see what the hype is all about. And now's the time to get the latest and greatest from Raycon. Get 15% off your order at buyraycon.com slash be here. That's buyraycon.com slash be here for 15% off Raycon wireless earbuds. That's buyraycon.com slash be here. B-U-Y-R-A-Y-C-O-N.com slash be here. Yeah, no, I mean, I, I spent years going to therapy and my question, my fundamental question was, do I make sense? Like there was literally, I would say to mm -hmm. a therapist, like, do I make sense to you? Like there, because there was something really? in me that didn't so make sense to myself. I don't mean to say that in like a pitying way, but it does sound like that. Like that makes me feel very sad for you that you didn't feel like you made sense like that. It, I can yeah. understand why you were maybe lost or acted out as an adult and, that's a sad feeling to feel like you, I don't make sense and you don't know why. Yeah. And, and, you know, one of the things when I made my discovery, um, I remember being haunted by the feeling that I could have lived my whole life and never have known this, that, you know, that there was something, you know, like some people believe, and I mean, I don't, I don't know what I believe about what happens when we die but some people believe that like you get a moment where you can survey the whole thing like look back and like mm -hmm. see the whole thing and mm -hmm. and I just like after I discovered that my dad wasn't my biological father I remember thinking because I've written about him so much I've written books that and and essays and stories that have been my attempt to try to piece him together and understand who we were to each other and I lost him when I was so young and he was so young, young. And he died and and I just remember that thought of like wow if I had never discovered this and I'm someone who's like a student of identity like literally it's my job it's what I've done and if I could have looked back and surveyed the whole thing and suddenly seen that that was the truth I would have been like oh wow holy can I curse on your podcast? Oh, like, yeah. Fuck yeah. Like, oh, like, <laughs> holy shit. I would have been like, like, I missed it. I missed something so super central. Um, so I, like, even though it does feel sad to me, too, that I had those years of feeling like something didn't add up, I feel so lucky that I get to 
have this time in my life where I have been able to really make sense of things. And, you know, when I'm, you know, I'm not young, but I'm not old. And, Mm -hmm. you know, sometimes at some of my events, I will encounter someone who is much older. I mean, there are people out there right now who are in their 70s or in their 80s who are learning because they take a DNA test like, Grandma, here's here's an Ancestry.com kit. <laughs> and they find out that they were adopted and they never knew. And, you know, they're 80. And what are they going to do to process that? There is no time. There is mm-hmm. no people. There is no research. There is no mm-hmm. book to write. There's no one to talk to about it. And that to mm-hmm. me feels that's painful. I mean, what happened yeah. for me is that it kind of opened a door on a whole new adventure. Yeah. Okay. I have several questions and they might go out of order. Do you think because you found out at a point in your life when you were established, married, and I think, did you, did you say you had kids? Yeah, I have a son. Okay, you have a son. Like, you found this out when... Okay, think about people that are, like, the coronavirus right now. I think about it all the time where they're my age who are fairly young up until really old alone in apartments. I get very worried about the fact Mm -hmm. that there's people that must feel so lonely and so sad during something that is freaking us all out mm-hmm. right mm-hmm. I think about it too all the time yeah I do you think if you were single alone in your 20s or 30s could you have heard that news and handled it as well as you did now that is is such there a, yeah that's such a good question um and it's something that I realized with sort of a shock when I was in the throes of, you know, learning all this, because initially I really felt like my, I felt really betrayed by my parents. I felt like they, mm-hmm. they should have told me they knew and they, they should have told me from the time that I, you know, everyone, we all have rights to know our own history and identity, especially biological mm-hmm. identity. And, um, and I suddenly thought, it might have destroyed me to have learned this Mm -hmm. at a young age for a couple of reasons. I mean, in my case, people who, you know, people who um, were conceived using donors, um, which is the case in my story, it Mm -hmm. was a secret. No one spoke of it. The parents never told a soul. And so like literally if I had found out at a young age, I would have felt like I was the only person in the entire world that this was happening yeah. to. And mm-hmm. the fact that I found out at a time in my life where I was in a settled long-term relationship, my son was a teenager. Um, yeah, very, very different. And, you know, I think about in terms of secrets in general, I think when we find out is at least as important as what we find out. And I feel... Oh my God, yes. Like, so grateful that I found out when I did. But, you know, I think in terms of the coronavirus and, you know, one of the things, you know, we are, 
as you and I are having this conversation, we're at the we're at the beginning of all this, right? Like we don't mm-hmm. know we don't know what is going to happen, and um, at the same time, we are all in it together in this way that nothing in our lifetimes, nothing in anyone's lifetime who's alive today, um, has experienced, and that doesn't minimize what it would be to be alone in an apartment or alone in a house, alone and elderly, alone and young and single. Um, But one of the things that I'm seeing, I mean, there's so much beauty in what's happening in the way that people are reaching out to their neighbors, to people who are alone. Every, you know, every teacher of anything that I know, whether it's yoga teachers or writing teachers or meditation teachers, they are all making offerings, um, you know, free classes, virtual classes, mm-hmm. um, anything that allows people to connect in whatever way that they can, which which counters that feeling of like, you know, otherness Loneliness. or yeah, disconnection. Yeah. And, you know, I mean, how can there not be those? I mean, there's also, there are those feelings of loneliness and fear and grief and disconnection, but there's also so much, I think, you know, that, 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 you know, whether we're, look, I'm in this house right now where I'm talking to you. I'm in the basement right now in my son's old playroom. My son Hmm. is upstairs in the library plugged into his, you know, watching reruns of, of, um, of like some thriller TV show. My husband's (laughs) in his office doing his thing. Like we're all kind of alone in our worlds right now. Yeah. Um, And we've been social distancing with each other too, because Mm -hmm. my son was coming back from Europe um, and he was in London doing a semester and my husband was in LA uh, directing a movie on a set with a lot of people. So, Mm -hmm. so we were, we're having to do social distancing. So we haven't even gotten more than 10 feet away from, you know, Mm -hmm. closer to each other. So there's a way in which I think this is lonely for everybody, whether you're, uh, Mm -hmm you know, with someone in your physical space or whether you're not, but there's also this way in which um, there's an opportunity to, to connect. I agree. And I think that your, I think your podcast is, I mean, granted, it does make me very sad a lot of times when I listen to it in a good way. Like I cry and, and I, I, but I also feel, uh, I mean, the best freaking episode was the yellow shoes. I mean, I reached out to that woman. I forget her oh. name. I reached out. Uh, where, yeah. where uh, the uh, mama's numbers. Yeah, I mean, yeah. Bridget, Bridget M. Davis. Oh, yeah. I love her. Yeah. And I, wa- yeah. I would love to have her on my podcast. I was supposed to ask her to do it when I was in New York. But oh, I'm not going yeah. anymore. That's amazing. She, no, she, she's, she'd, be am- she, she'd be amazing. And that's also, what about the beauty of podcasting in that way? Like you hear her yeah. on my show and then she comes on your show. Like that's Oh my God. I was like, uh, yeah, because I, you, um, your publicist or whatever reached out to me. And so that's how I discovered you. And then I started binging your podcast. I fell in love with you. Sorry. Um, <laughs> Thank you. And, and then I listened to a few episodes and hers was like, that was one of the most beautiful freaking stories I've ever heard in a, actually not even in a sad way. It was so cool. 
that her mom was like, I'm going to walk into Saks Fifth Avenue or whatever it was and buy a pair of shoes. Ah, I just, I I loved it so much. Well, the the thing about that episode, and it's true of, of several others too, is that it's really about love. Like that Mm -hmm. episode is about a family protecting itself with Mm -hmm. its secret, a family keeping a secret in order to like protect its own future. And, you know, and then this daughter's legacy of her mother, like this this sense of, you know, I'm going to honor my mother by telling this story now. Do you feel like there are certain times that secrets should be kept from people. And I'm going to give you a quick example from my own story. My dad was dying of cancer when I was a kid, whatever. Uh, we, but we didn't know he still has it. It's had it for 20 years. He's fine. You can't kill him. Um, (laughs) that's what he says. You can't kill me. I'm too mean. Um, but he, he was like 39 years old and we were little kids and all of a sudden he looked like he was 70. It was very odd. Like he, his body completely disintegrated. Like it was very odd. And my parents told us that he had carpal tunnel syndrome. We're like, oh, okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, he's never typed ever, but okay. Um, mm-hmm. um, and so I found out through uh, a schoolmate because uh, my mom had told his mom, whatever, mm. that my dad had cancer. However, that cancer was a good thing. They originally diagnosed him with uh, Lou Gehrig's disease and said he had six months to live. Mm. My sister and I did not know that. So they had planned his death, basically, and his whatever. And we we didn't know. We were little kids just like, all right, cool. Let's go to school. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I was at school one day and this guy looked at me and he was like, I'm so sorry to ask cancer. I was like, he has got what? Mm-hmm. What? <laughs> like, mm-hmm. no, I literally no idea. Even though it visually looked like he was very sick. Um, and how old were you? 12. No, mm-hmm. mm, nah, 12 when it started, 14, maybe when the kid said that. So mm-hmm. I was a kid. I was a kid for sure. But I don't know. I don't know if it would have changed anything to have been sat down my parents and them tell me it because they didn't know see that's the thing and I think that's the thing with secrets and maybe you can help me with this the people that have the secrets are trying to figure them out themselves does that make sense it does like yes they don't know what to do with them yet so my parents my dad was sick and they didn't my mom didn't know how to tell us like uh, you might die or you might not or whatever. Like we're kids and she didn't know and she just wanted to pr- protect us. And I think that in any respect with secrets, you want to protect someone. So where do you draw the line on that? Or or is there... Well, there's, there's lots of different reasons for keeping secrets, right? Like there's... Mm-hmm. I mean, I've said this on the podcast often and this is this does not sound like it's the case in what you're telling me at all. But, you know, where there's secrets, often it's because there's shame underneath and Mm -hmm. there's this feeling like we need we need to keep this quiet because no one would understand or we need to keep this quiet because we're ashamed and we would be shunned or, you know, rejected in some way. Um, You know, your story is reminding me of an episode in 
the second season of Family Secrets, there's an episode called The Loving Choice, which mm-hmm. um, in which my guest um, is a man who um, his wife was had cancer and they had three girls, three daughters. Um, she had a first bout of cancer, breast cancer, and the and the the girls knew, but you know the whole thing was you know mom's beating this thing and um, mm-hmm. you know she had chemo. There was kind of no way to avoid um, what her physical transformation was, and then she seemed to uh, have recovered. And then a number of years later, when the girls were in high school and in college, it came back and it was terminal. And mm-hmm. this couple made the decision to not tell their daughters. Um, and the episode hey. of the the episode is called the loving choice and mm-hmm. the think and it's a really provocative episode because the thinking was we want that we wanted them to have a normal life we wanted them to go through high school they were they were all three girls were like tremendous athletes and all went to all played sports at D1 colleges like we're literally like like superstar you know kids and and that was also the justification was, um, you know, see, they've they've thrived and maybe they wouldn't have thrived if they had been, you know, sad or worried about their mom. Um, and so they really didn't know that their mom was dying until maybe a week or two before she died. Um, and, you know, it, it, it was a really complicated conversation to have because... Mm-hmm there's, you know, you can't walk in anybody else's shoes in that way. Um, I mean, I guess it makes me wonder in your case, when that kid said to you when you were 14 years old, you know, I'm sorry about your dad's cancer. What did you feel? Like, did you feel like, um, my parents have kept something from me? Did you feel like, Mm, I wasn't, I wasn't that shocked because Uh it was very obvious. Right. Okay. So I uh, definitely fall into the category of people that don't have a lot of body or wave in their hair. Let's just say my hair is super straight and super fine. So that's my struggle constantly in finding the right shampoo and conditioner and whatever. And most hair product companies don't actually get you. And so that's why it's so hard. But that's because a lot of brands generalize hair needs, which is why I switched to pros because Pros makes truly personalized shampoo and conditioners. It's so cool. So Pros knows there's more to you than just your hair type. Pros has given over 1 million consultations with their in-depth hair questionnaire, which is how I got started. I mean, they take into account everything. Your zip code. They're like, oh, you live in West Hollywood, lots of pollution. Your eating habits. Your like, if are you a vegetarian or do you eat a lot of meat or fruits and vegetables, whatever. Um, your exercise routine, how much you're outside, which for me is a lot, um, and your hair goals. And with their algorithm and over 50 billion formula combinations, that's insane, Pros has determined a unique blend of ingredients to treat my exact concerns. And my God, it has transformed my hair. So I feel like my hair now has like more body and I also just didn't know the right... um, uh, So so they have these hair masks, for example. So it's... uh, I put it on before I shampoo to kind of condition my hair and get it ready so that it's not weighing it down after I shampoo. It, I just feel like it's really transformed my hair. I know that anyone I've suggested pros to, they're unbelievably happy with the results. So 
If you're not 100% positive too, Pros is the best hair care you've had. They will take the products back, no questions asked, but you're not gonna want to. So I'd like you guys to try them out. Pros is the healthy hair regimen with your name all over it. So get a free consultation and 20% off your first order today. Go to pros.com slash be here. That's pros.com slash be here. P-R-O-S-E dot com slash be here for a free consultation and 20% off. Like you were left to figure it out on your own in a way. And it was just sort of a weird way to hear it, even though I already kind of knew. I mean, my Mm -hmm. dad had already. So my mom never told us because she really wanted to protect us. But I'm very close with my mom and my dad. Very close with both of them. And my dad had, in a moment of weakness, told me that he might be dying or whatever. Uh, mm-hmm. so I kind of, I kind of knew it was just a weird way to hear it from like a random boy that I also yeah. thought liked me. And I was like, I'm sorry, I'm chubby, but you kind of like me. Um, <laughs> <laughs> it, it was a kid I kind of liked. And so when he said it to me, I was like, oh, all right. That was weird news to hear. It was mm-hmm. more just weird. If that mm-hmm. makes sense. Like yeah. it's not something you're expecting to hear but obviously is like you said you know you knew in your gut something was off like I obviously could visually see something was off and I also knew in my my gut and my soul like yeah this isn't good so it wasn't that surprising it was just a weird weird to hear the information well I mean a couple just a couple like quick things about that which is one you know, when I ask you, like you were sort of, when I said you were left to figure it out for yourself, I think that there's this way in which, like, when there's something that's not said like that, you know, that we do kind of go into this um, sort of subtle, like working over time, not, it's not conscious, you know, it's more, I mean, in, in my book, when I was researching and reading, all, you know, a lot about uh, trying to understand my own circumstances, I came across this phrase, and it's from um, it's from psychoanalytic literature. And the phrase is "the unthought known." And I remember like looking at those words, and it was like they were in neon. The unthought known. It's like you knew, you knew mm-hmm. that your dad had cancer. You mm-hmm. you knew, but you never you but you didn't think it. Like you didn't articulate it to mm-hmm. yourself because mm-hmm. you were fourteen, and because that's so upsetting and. Mm-hmm. But you were also unconsciously sort of working overtime, so you knew it. And then the other thing is that I think hearing something like that from like another kid or a perfect stranger, like there's another episode. It's in actually, is it maybe it's in season one? Um, this this man named Steve, who I who I um, who I spoke with. Um, uh, the the episode's called Open Secret. He grew up in a small town in, 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 in Kansas, I think. And, um, there was a huge secret, which I won't divulge, but it's, it's one of my favorite episodes, but Uh, I can't wait to listen. Everybody in the town knew except for him. And see that that's, uh, I can't, I, I can't think of anything more heartbreaking, right? Like I, that's why the reason why I wanted to have him on my show is because when I realized that his story was about everybody knowing, but him, you I feel like a fool. Like I, when I, when I found out about my dad and I started reaching out to people who were still living, who I thought might still might know something, 
I, my biggest fear, and I'm not even sure I could have articulated that fear, but my biggest fear was, oh my God, did everybody know this? Like, did everybody yeah. know? Was, was I the only person in the dark? So I think that there's something, because secrets tend- it's that, that shame, that shame that you that didn't even shame. know that you, that exactly. you didn't like, did, was I supposed to know and I didn't know? Like, exactly. Yeah. It makes you feel embarrassed. Exactly. And usually secrets are not airtight. Usually there are people, you know, your mother told a friend, you know, the friend's kid overheard the parents talking or whatever. Like, that's just, I hear so many stories where people are like, yeah, you know, people knew or, um, or, you know, we always suspected or whatever. So that's, I think the damaging part is that usually, uh, you think when other people know, yeah, like that, that that it's not airtight, that really the chances that you were going to hear that from another kid or from somebody else were probably pretty high. Yeah. Yeah. I guess that makes sense. Yeah. I think the shame of secrets are never going to last that long. I mean, no one's, no one can keep a secret. It will always rise to the top. They do. Even if it's in, in like the next generation. I mean, one of the things for me is that my parents really intended to go to the grave with this secret about my identity. And Mm -hmm. they did. They successfully died um, with that secret intact. But may I ask you a little bit about that? Keep oh, sure. Going, but yeah, um, I, I do want to ask you if, it, if it's not too painful. You're 23 when your dad died in a car accident. Um, I have always thought because I've always had the imminent kind of doom that uh, my dad will probably I have always thought he was going to die since I was a kid because of what whatever and he hasn't um and now at this point I don't think you can kill him um <laughs> but <laughs> that's what he says um but I've always thought there's something about knowing that someone might other than a tragic loss and like where you just don't know it's happening. That, I'm sorry to say, it seems like the most painful thing. You know, I mean, I've, I, I've lost both of my parents and one of them was a sudden shocking loss, which was my dad in a car crash. <sighs> and the other imagine. was many years later and it was my mom and she died of cancer and, and you know, we knew that she was dying. And I don't think... Um, I, I, I don't think you, like that there is a line that you can draw and say one is more painful than the other. They're really different. Um, in a weird the, way, this is very comforting for you to say this. Uh, mm-hmm. so keep going, but I want you to know that I appreciate what you're saying. And this is very comforting to know that you've um, had both ends of the spectrum. Yeah. I'm glad that it's comforting. I mean, I, it, it's, I think watching someone, suffer and know that they're going to die is really hard Um, and experience, but you also are preparing in some way. So it's not the same kind of shock, but the shock of just the phone rings and suddenly life has changed is, um, you know, that's, that's, that's a different kind of feeling, but it's not a you know, I don't think that they're quantifiable. I don't think you can say one is 
one is better or worse than the other. It's all, it's all loss and it's all grief and it's all hard. And, mm-hmm. um, and I'm, and I think even, you know, when I hear people, you know, who are grieving the loss, look, I have a elderly aunt, my father's younger sister, she's 95 and a half years old. And, you know, one, one, you know, and one day I'm going to get a call that she's gone and it is going to be excruciatingly hard. And it doesn't matter that she's going to be, you know, hopefully 103 or, you know, 99 mm-hmm. or whatever. Um, yeah. Because, you know, loss, loss is loss and, and, yeah. um, and, and grief is grief and sorrow is sorrow. Um, a few more questions. I know we've gone on longer than I anticipated, but I, I find you very interesting in all of your stories and everything you've, you know, written about and researched for your podcast. Interesting. Is there, is there something that you can maybe quantify from all of this and of in family secrets in how you uh, relate to people if certain secrets should be kept. Mm. So interesting. I did a bonus episode between season two and three where I was in conversation with the um, writer and therapist, Lori Gottlieb, who Mm -hmm. wrote this book this year called Maybe You Should Talk to Someone. And I wanted to talk to her as a therapist um, and ask her the question, do you think that it's ever okay to keep a secret? Like, are secrets ever you know, secrets good, you know, and Lori, uh, very much came down, um, on the side of there is no such thing as an okay secret. Like ultimately secrets are damaging. Um, I would say that the key word in that for me is ultimately like, you know, as you and I were talking about before, mm-hmm. I think if I had learned about my dad when I was much younger because I was so bonded and connected to him and I was so lost in life in so many ways. I think if I had found it out at a really impressionable young age uh, when I was that lost, that it might have destroyed me. Uh, I'm glad I found it out when I did. I'm glad I found it out. And, you know, one of the things um, with every guest of mine, whether it ends up on the show or not, I always ask the question, do you wish you hadn't found out? And Mm -hmm. I have yet to have a guest say to me, yes, I wish I hadn't found out. Not one person has said, yeah, this has made my life worse, harder. Um, They're glad they know because the knowledge is liberating. Ultimately, the knowledge is um, empowering and freeing. Um, I've had a lot of people tell me both from the podcast, but almost more from reading my book, like parents who kept that that kind of secret from their children, the secret of, you know, that their child was adopted or their child was conceived using a donor. Um, the parents who are still around and living, who have read my book, which is a lot of them, they then feel like they, they've, they've like written me and thanked me and told me that they've gone and sat down with their adult children and said, we've got something to tell you because the realization that like, just because it isn't spoken doesn't mean it doesn't exist. It is impacting. And that's, I think what Lori Gottlieb was getting at. It does impact, you know, no matter how far it's pushed away, no matter how, what corner you've shoved it into, 
no matter how high up in your psyche you've like managed to you know jam this thing it's still there and yeah whether it's now or 10 years from now or 50 years from now it will come yeah out. and you can you can kind of start from the truth too like where even if it's horrible to hear that's a great starting ground of like well at least i know that's uh, right like a now I can build from there. I, I think the unknowing is what kills people. Like, I think that the wait, like, am I crazy? Did I think this? Or is it, I think it's what you second guess about yourself and what you second guess about other people, which is way worse than knowing the truth. I'd way rather know the truth about someone or myself. I way rather. And then yeah. go from there. Okay, yeah. cool. Yeah. I know this info. It's not great. It's probably horrible. But now we can figure it out now. Yes, in a way, now we begin. Yeah, yeah. Now we begin. I like that. Danny, I don't want to take too much of your time. Uh, I really, really like you. I wish I could meet you in person. I hope to one day because I think there's something about your your voice that I've already gotten to know from listening to your podcast and even just talking to you here. You are a comforting, very wise very loving person and I am so happy I got to podcast with you oh thank you that means so much to me and I am too it's it's you know we were talking about connection and how wonderful to be it is to be able to have this connection in this moment in, in time even if we're not in the same room mm-hmm. thank you um so tell everyone where they can find you like uh your Instagram so, or your yeah. yeah yeah my 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 Instagram which is my favorite of the social platforms is I'm at, I'm Danny Writer that's just D A N I Writer and I'm also on Facebook and Twitter and my um my website is dannyshapiro.com and you can find out about my books and the podcast um and you, and family secrets you can get as we say wherever you get your podcasts yes and definitely listen to our podcast I mean I have listened to most of the episodes they are impactful and just amazing. So thank you so much. Thanks, Rachel. Great to talk to you. Great to talk to you too. Bye. Bye.